athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You're tuned in to the dopest show on radio. From the press box to press row, I am your host, Donald Ware. The Villanova Wildcats have done it again. They are national champs again. And this is the second time in three years that the Wildcats won the national championship. This time around, it wasn't in dramatic fashion like it was two years ago. And I mean, basically, Villanova ran roughshod through Michigan. I mean, early on, it was a close game. Michigan actually had control in the early parts of the game and then Villanova just took control back over and in a lot of once when Villanova was able to take control of the game um, it, it looked almost like the game that we saw two days prior to the national championship game when Villanova uh, defeated Kansas and really Kansas was you know Villanova just shot so well in that game against Kansas it it, it was just ridiculous they made it's like they almost made every shot they took at least for um at least for a point there and I tell you Villanova absolutely dominated basically uh most of their games at least in the NCAA tournament and Joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Phil Booth, the redshirt junior guard from Baltimore, going to join us on the program, one of the leaders of the team. And if you remember Phil Booth two years ago, he was the one, I mean, he led the Wildcats in scoring two years ago, had an injury last year. He didn't play but three games last year. And then this year came back, had uh, some some injury uh, an injury here and there but ultimately was available when it counted the most in postseason if you will and 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 and, and definitely playing a different role this year than he did play a couple of years ago but still very much an integral part of this Villanova team so he's going to join us today here on from the press box to press rope got a lot to get to on the program as a matter of fact and I'm going to talk some baseball. Omar Johnson's the head baseball coach at Jackson State's joined us many times over the years. He's going to also join us today here on the program as Jackson State is playing very well right now. Um, So we're going to talk again a little baseball with Omar Johnson here today on the program, the head baseball coach at Jackson State. Also want to touch on a couple of topics on today. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. As a matter of fact, the NBA playoffs begin next weekend and all of the teams are set at least in the Eastern Conference right now. We know who the eight teams are. We just don't know what order. We still have about four or five games. Each each team has somewhere between three and five games or three and four games 
remaining or left in the season. And so we're going to talk some NBA also today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. RG3 has signed a one-year deal to be a Baltimore Raven. Want to talk a little bit about that today on the program as well. And uh, let's see. Want to talk some other things. You know, this is the thing. Like, obviously, LeBron James is going to be the most coveted free agent on the market next year. But if your respective team, the respective team that you cheer for, do you want LeBron James on your team? And I asked that question, and I'll talk a little bit more about it. I mean, you know, in prefacing it to say this, um, you know, it's sort of a mercenary situation with LeBron James. Essentially, he's going to sign a one-year deal with whatever club. It is going to be a two-year deal with a player option for a second year. So, essentially, it's going to be one year. I mean, do you do you want that? I mean, is do you want to buy a championship? That's the point I'm getting to. Do you want to buy or potentially – by a championship because he started out in Cleveland, had the seven years in Cleveland. And so that was his team. He was a, he was a that was the team that drafted him. And it, it was all about Cleveland. He was a Cleveland Cavalier. Then he went to Miami for four years. And so, you know, again, he's part of a, you know, it's four years is, is a good amount of time. So he's part of the Miami Heat. Now this is his third year with the Cleveland Cavaliers, so he's, you know, now it's three years. But but now it's going to be essentially one year contracts contracts essentially for the remainder of his career. He's up in age. He's 33. He's not playing like he's 33 years old, but he's 33 years old. Probably has, you know, two really really good years left in him, and and is going to have. You know, beyond that, I mean, he's going to have some good years in him, but I mean, I, I mean, MVP level years. He's got about two MVP level years left in him. So I want to talk a little bit about that today, also on the program. Um, your participation here on from the press box to press row always, always want your participation. Hit me up via Twitter at box to row, b o x t o r o w. Also on Twitter, b o x the number, or excuse me. On Twitter, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. On Twitter, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Follow us while you're on Twitter. Also on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Those of you that may be listening to us in Pittsburgh, perhaps you're listening to us in Nashville, Tennessee, maybe in Greensboro, perhaps right here in Raleigh, somewhere in the DMV, in the Washington area, perhaps uh, you're listening to us in Tampa, wherever you may be with our 40 plus affiliates that carry from the press box to press row. Those listening to us, of course, on Sirius XM channels 141 and 142 or those listening to us around the world at box Thank you for making from the press box to press row a part of your day. I, I, I want to start by talking about RG3 and his signing with the Baltimore Ravens. Now, you know, as a Redskins fan, um, you know, very familiar with RG3. Uh, you know, he was drafted by the Skins back in 2012, helped to lead the Skins to a playoff. A lot of excitement around Washington because you're talking about a, a, a franchise that had just been in uh, not only disarray, but it's just 
just really bad times, bad vibes, if you will, uh, with the Washington Redskins. He kind of rejuvenated that. And then, of course, he got injured towards the uh, latter part of the regular season back in 2012, got re-injured in the playoffs, probably shouldn't have even been playing. Um, but you remember the all-in deal coming back for the 2013 season, probably rushed back too soon, got injured again. Um, essentially, never was the same quarterback, played a couple of years ago in Cleveland as a backup. Uh, just, just, it was just a terrible situation there in Cleveland. Um, and you know, I thought even if you go back to me, um, that 2014 season in Washington, and ultimately that's the year that Kirk Cousins took over in Washington. I think RG3 had one more year in Washington, 2015, where he didn't even see. Matter of fact, that's right, he didn't even see the field in 2015. Essentially, his career as a Redskin was over in 2014. But even as I watched him play, uh, I know that in 2012 it was more about the read option or a lot of it was about the read option and what the decisions that RG3 was able to make out of the read option, whether he was able to run the football, which he did that very effectively, and he threw the football very effectively. And I don't mean intermediary passes. I mean throwing the football down the field. When you look at him in, in 2014, he just wasn't a good quarterback. He just was not a good quarterback at all. And so ultimately, you know, Kirk Cousins came in, did his thing. The rest is history. And I, I thought the Redskins were right um, to, in fact, you know, let RG3 go. He just wasn't a good quarterback. Ultimately, again, ended up signing with Cleveland. Um, I don't I don't I don't even think he wasn't even in the, in the league last year and signed with anybody last year. And then ultimately signs with the Ravens this year. I still don't think he's a good quarterback. Um, the read option was more or less his friend. And he was able to make a lot of plays out of the read option. You know, he just looked bad as a quarterback. Even in Cleveland, he just looked bad. And he didn't look like a good quarterback. And I say that because a lot of the parallels with respect to RG3 I see in Colin Kaepernick. You know, I've, you've heard me say this many a time. That I, 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 you know, you know, I, I mean, he's won. Colin Kaepernick has definitely won. There's no question about that. But I just when I look at him play like he, you know, I just don't he just I, I, I'm not sold on Colin Kaepernick as a quarterback. I, but I, but I will say this. It's interesting that the Ravens decided to sign RG3 and decided against signing Colin Kaepernick. You remember the whole thing with the owner and then he went to, you know, he asked his fan base, did they, what did they think about the Ravens signing Colin Kaepernick and so forth? Um, to me, if, if there was any doubt, obviously Colin Kaepernick is being blackballed out of the league. Now, just because I don't think he's um, a great quarterback doesn't mean he should not be signed to a team. I think he would make be a good backup quarterback. Furthermore, he's a winner. So when he gets out on the field, you never know what's going to happen. He's he's won games. I, I'm just not sold on him personally. But if you ever had a doubt that Colin Kaepernick was not being blackballed, you now know that he, in fact, is being blackballed because essentially RG3 and Colin Kaepernick are – if not the same, 
essentially very much alike in terms of playing the quarterback position. Look at it. They both came in the league in 2012. They both were rookies. They both led their respective teams. They both turned their respective teams around. Obviously, Colin Kaepernick took his team much farther than RG3 took his team, but they both uh, were in that read option. Both of them, a lot of what they were able to do was to be able to uh, run the football. I thought RG3 was a much better passer that year than was Colin Kaepernick, and I think Ultimately, because remember, Russell West, uh, not Russell, <laughs> Russell Wilson was in that class as well. And RG3 had the better numbers of all th- of the of the three quarterbacks. But I mean, you know, if there was any doubt that I would have signed for me, I would have signed Colin Kaepernick before I signed RG3. He's won. He's played more recently. And if you had any doubt that Colin Kaepernick was being blackballed out of the league because of the stance that he took. You know now uh, that that is the case. We've seen so many other quarterbacks get signed, so many quarterbacks. I mean, and that that should have told the sign anyway, that all of these quarterbacks that weren't any good and didn't even have names and so forth were being signed. But with respect to the Ravens, um, and they had contemplated last season signing Colin Kaepernick, you know now why that they did not if they decided to, in fact, sign RG3. Your thoughts. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRo, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. Still to come here on the program, Jackson State baseball coach Omar Johnson and two-time national champion Phil Booth, redshirt junior, guard for the Villanova Wildcats. We got more from the press box to press row on the other side. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Joining us momentarily here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Jackson State baseball coach Omar Johnson. Still to come here on the program. Villanova Wildcats guard Phil Booth, two-time NCAA champion, also going to join us on the program. Earlier in the week, the Box to Row Women's Division I All-America team came out, and Shekyla Hill was named the Box to Row National Player of the Year. The guard for Grambling had an absolutely sensational season. Remember, she was the Box to Row National Player of the Week towards the latter part of January after she had that quadruple double. And, I mean, she had so many people to reach out to her. She got uh, kudos from LeBron James, I think James Harden also, and others, and got a lot of national headlines. So she is the Box to Row Women's National Player of the Week, also the Division Two. The Boxer Row Division II All-America team came out as well. Log on to our website at BoxToRow.com. BoxToRow.com. You can check out all three of the All-America teams, which are on our website right now. Also, uh, if you missed any of our shows, you can also log on to our website at BoxToRow.com to listen to any of the archive shows as well. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. 
And we're joined currently by the head baseball coach at Jackson State, Omar Johnson. As the Tigers on the season are 12-4, and four, they have a home weekend series against Alabama A&M 12 seasons as the head baseball coach at Jackson State is Omar Johnson as he joins us again here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Johnson, welcome back to the program. Uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Your thoughts on your team's 12-4 and record as we're early on here in the season. You guys are also 5-1 and in conference play. Well, we, we, we've been playing well in conference. You know, we got to get some things to carry over in the middle of the week. But, you know, we, we're still trying to figure out some things. we got a lot of young guys we're putting out there that we hadn't um, tested yet. So, you know, it's just early on in the season. We're trying to figure some things out. Your thoughts, you know, I, I, you know, and I know we're already 16 games into the season with a weekend series coming up. But, you know, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on last year's. You guys had a really good team, but – um, when the regular season weren't quite able to complete it and win that SWAC tournament championship? Well, you know, we, we, we only lost, I think, four regular season games last year, something like that. So we won 20 games in conference. But tournament is a tournament. You know, the team did breaks. I think we had one extra in a game in a tournament. Um, and, you know, a guy got a hit and scored a run. You know, that's how it kind of goes in baseball. But the tournament is not a true test of, of what team – how good a team is, it's who, who's playing well that week. That's why it's a tournament and not, you know, not the regular season, not the test of a true season. Talk about early on and being able to take, you know, starting the season with a win against New Orleans. You guys played in that series down there. Um, that HB, well, it's not an HBCU series anymore, but that series down there uh, in New Orleans and, and, and getting off to a good start there and then being able to take two of three games from Eastern Michigan. Well, you know, we have some guys with some ability, you know, so, you know, just getting them out there. And, you know, these kids play with so much adrenaline at the beginning of the season. So, you know, sometimes that, that, that carries over, um, you know, for a couple games. But, you know, after you play a couple, then they kind of settle in. Then you kind of see exactly what kind of group you have. So we're still trying to figure some things out. That's the voice of Omar Johnson, the baseball coach at Jackson State. He joins us here. I'm from the press box. The press room, the Tigers are going to have a weekend series as they host Alabama A&M. Uh, coach Johnson, talk about some of the personnel um, that you have so far this year. Some of the guys are really playing well. I mean, if you look up and down the numbers, this kid, Hernandez, is batting 421. He's got six home runs already with 26 RBI. He's he's slugging 682. And, and you, you know, you just have a bunch of guys. You, you, you're hitting the the baseball pretty well as a team. Well, just okay. You know, you know, t- hitting, you know, it, it's uh, – Raul is doing really well. He's getting his hits. I think he got 41, 45, somewhere around that way. So, obviously, he's knocking the crap out of it. But you got to get everybody on board. But the, the timely hits, the two-out hits, the hits for runners in scoring position, those are the hits that are really important. You know, we kind of scatter a bunch of hits around here and there, but we need to start trying to get the one with um, running the scoring position and some meaningful hits, some meaningful at-bats. Is that one of the things that, you know, if you – what are some of the concerns you have about your uh, about your baseball team uh, so far? I mean, obviously that's one of the concerns. What are some of the other concerns you have? Well, we pitch really well. Um, you know, I don't know. That's not a concern. 
my our our thing and what we kind of tell our our kids is that you know we play clean games. We don't give away any freebies, the errors, the walks, you know, things like that. The hit by pitches, we we generally make the team earn what they get, and and we generally come out on a successful part of the game. So, you know, those are the things we kind of point out. But concerns, we need to play. We need to get them out there. We need to play with a little more intensity. Kane Omar Johnson's the head baseball coach. At Jackson State, he joins us here on the program. Alabama A&M, obviously, as I mentioned, your next opponent, you uh, you host them in a three-game series. You were able to take care of them uh, a little bit early on in the season. As a matter of fact, in three games, you outscored them 27-4. to um, Can you kind of – that was a while, a while ago. So how – you know, do you feel like your team is playing much better now than it was when you faced uh, Alabama A&M early on? No, I don't think we're playing as well as we were playing then. Um, we have some injuries here and there, um, so some different guys are actually being in the lineup. So, um, but we're 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 still capable of doing some things. You know, uh, two, two weeks ago, I think you know, with, you know, same group group of guys we had, we we swept all corn. So, you know, it's just getting the guys out there, getting them used to conference play. You know, and then everybody has you know, guys have to step up when the next guy goes down. So. Do you feel like uh, Alabama A&M is better now than they were when you played them? Yes, they definitely. You know, we we had a chance to see them play against Auburn the other day. They're showing their backs a lot better than um, when we played them earlier. Yeah, I, I know it's. I know it's. You know, we still have a lot of games remaining. Um, but I know one of the concerns that you've had that has happened to you, you know, over the course of time is that you know your team will play really well in the regular season and then maybe not so well uh, in the tournament. How do you, and, and you know, again, plenty of time left, but how do you kind of, you know, maybe, maybe that's why you, you feel like you're not playing as well as you should be. How do you kind of combat that and get these guys to not only focus now on the, on the regular season, but also to be able to play well once the tournament begins? Well, the tournament is a weekend. <laughs> the tournament is not the season. So the tournament, whoever you know, we we play really well in the tournament too. You know, I've won the thing a couple times, you know, and won regional games that hadn't been done in for, for very many HBCU. So it's not a matter of that; it's being consistent. Because a bad call, a bad uh, injury, a bad uh, a, a guy come out and pitch a good game that he hadn't pitched the whole year, anything can happen in a in a weekend type situation. You know, it's like a basketball game with a buzzer beater. The best team can always lose it. The other team stays close enough. So, you know, it's just a matter of being consistent. Baseball season is 14 weeks, and the true test of of a team is what you do over the 14 weeks, not really what you do over the weekend. Because we're since we're a single big conference, it matters. But in other leagues, they don't even they don't even prepare for their conference tournament. The SEC, the ACC, they, these these guys don't even the, the first round, second round games. They don't even. They don't even throw their their, their number one, number one or number two pitches. So it, it's just it's just we're trapped in a situation that our league is only going to get one bid, and the tournament matters. But outside of that, the true test of a baseball team is always at doing the, how you perform throughout the fourteen weeks. How has the conference grown, or maybe not? I mean, you're one of the senior. You know, coaches in the in the SWAC. Now, I mean, how how has the conference grown or not over over now your twelve years? Well, it's a lot better. It's a lot better than when you know when I first came in the league. Um, there's been a lot of coaching turnovers. 
but the league is a lot better. If you look throughout the season, you look at our teams in the league and you see who the wins that they have in the midweek, that tells you the strength of the league. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I used to be on the South Central committee trying to pick some of the at-large the, the at teams. So sometimes the league is not getting the credit that it deserves. Um, so that that's always that's always an issue and always a fight that the coaches have to have to get in. Like we have a, I think last time I checked our RPI, I think our RPI was a top 100 RPI, and a lot of times that doesn't happen in our league. You know, so you know it's just a matter of playing the right people and you know getting the right win. You know, we've been fortunate enough to to be the ranked team this year. You know, it's just a matter of getting out there and putting kids in the best position. Yeah, I mean, with you, I mean, you've been you've been one of the better. I mean, you're right. Maybe you haven't won as many tournaments as you would have liked. You have won some, but I mean, over the 12 years, you've been one of the better teams um, in the SWAC. You know, obviously Alabama State is doing really well. You've had, you know, te- the Texas Southerns of the world, the Prairie View A and M's of the world that have won tournament championships um, as well. Do you foresee a time when the SWAC? Will in fact be able to get an at-large berth to the tournament? Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I don't. Like I said, I was on I was on a committee to select some of the at-large teams and some of the criteria that it takes. You know, it, it's it, it's 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 a it's a formula that they come up with to pick these teams, and you have to you have to get the right amount of wins, um, and then it's also strength of schedule when it comes to your conference and with your ranking of your conference. So, you know, it, it's, it's going to be tough, but our league is not the only league that is like that. It's a lot of one bid league in the United States um, that aren't HBCU leagues. So not just our league and the uh, MEAC, it's, it's a bunch of other leagues that um, only get one bid. You know, it's just the nature of mid-major baseball it has nothing to do with uh, the SWAC or the MEAC. It's just mid-majors. They're not going to get more than one team. It's the same in basketball. You know, yeah. it's, it's no different. But you got to you got to have a, 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 a shoot a, almost a top thirty um, RPI um, to get to get that um, that at large bid, and you know that's just going to be really tough in some of the major leagues. Omar Johnson in his twelfth season. As the head baseball coach at Jackson State joins us here, I'm from the press box to press for the Tigers again. A weekend series where they host. Alabama A&M and Coach Johnson we appreciate the time uh, continued success to you and the Tigers I appreciate it thanks for having me you got it Coach Johnson Villanova Wildcats guard Phil Booth is up next after this small pause for the cause this is from the press box to press row we track down the names making news in sports from the press box to press row it's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. As promised, we are joined by a two-time NCAA national champion. As a matter of fact, this young man, a redshirt junior from Baltimore, Maryland, one of the leaders of the Villanova Wildcats. He is Phil Booth, and he joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Phil, congratulations and welcome back to the program. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys having me on. And, you know, it was just two years ago that we had you on the program and you had, in fact, won a national championship just two years ago back in 2016. How, how special was winning this national championship uh, on Monday in the fashion in which you won it? 
uh, just uh, just blessed this time. You know, a lot of people don't get a chance to win one. Uh, and you're right, the way we did it was um, amazing. Just a, a great overall team, by far the most talented team I've ever been part of. Yeah, I mean, talk about it. I mean, you guys sort of dominated. I mean, sort of like the Kansas game, but more so in this respect, you kind of got down early to Michigan, started out a little bit slow, but much like the Kansas game, you guys just, uh, you know, just roared back in, in one in dominating fashion. Yeah. You know, Michigan came out very strong early. I uh, got a big lead. They're a really good team. Uh, had a unique style of play, but uh, we made some adjustments, found ways to get stops, and then the Dante got really hot. And then the second half, we kind of had the game under control. Yeah, can you kind of speak to some of the adjustments that you were able to make? Uh, the big the big five men, they got uh, uh, Mo Wagner. He's, he's very good, very talented, very skilled. He was, he was spreading us out pretty far. Um, getting in the lane, making tough buckets. We had to find a way to give him more difficult looks. Uh, I think once we slowed him down a little bit and um, made some other guys make some plays, they'll do a good job. But uh, we tried to make things more difficult on them and just try to make other guys score. They were a really good team. Yeah, no question about it. Can you speak to last year, but, but in 2016 you were an integral part of Villanova's success. In the championship game you had 20 points to lead. Uh, all Villanova scorers. Can you speak to last year and uh, how difficult it was to only play in three games and then have to be sidelined for the remainder of the season? Yeah, it was a uh, tough sitting out because you know you really want to be out there, you really want to be part of it, and uh, sitting out, missing that whole year, especially after a sophomore year winning championship, easy to get back out there, and uh, it's one of those things that just um, didn't didn't uh, uh, go my way. Um, and coming back this year was great, uh, but then I broke my hand. But I was fortunate enough where I was able to come back throughout the same season and uh, finish out the last month and a half of the year. So it's just, uh, just lucky I was able to be out there this time. Yeah, and for this time around, what was your thought process like when you were injured this year where you were like, oh, no, here we go again? Uh, yeah, uh, the time was different sitting out. Just teammates told me out throughout that time, my family members. Uh, it, it was very tough uh, sitting out because you know you got the rhythm back from missing out all year. You playing the majority of the season, then midway through, just a little accident uh, happens, and then um, so sitting out. But uh, I got I got I learned a lot from those four weeks being out. I came back with some regular season games left, and then uh, got my stride going into the Big East tournament and into the NCAA tournament. No question about it. That's the voice of Villanova guard Phil Booth, redshirt junior from Baltimore, now two time. NCAA national champion. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And Phil, what was Thursday's parade like for you, your second time around? Uh, it doesn't get old, I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it a lot. Um, just the support you have, uh, the fans, the genuine and just real love that you feel from there was amazing. Um, just a, two years ago, it was different uh, how we won it. Chris made that shot. You know, this year, different team. I'm older now, kind of being more the leader and the captain of this team. It was a different type of role than it was two years ago. And just appreciate it even more. Like, a lot of people don't get one, be able to get two. And, and some of the fans have been doing with us the whole time. It's amazing. Yeah, elaborate on that. I think that's a great point. And speak sort of to your role this year more of as a team leader, uh, a, a red shirt junior, essentially a senior. But talk a little bit about your role and how it's more of a team leader and a facilitator. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was different. Um, 
being the captain, you know, uh, being a leader, you know, two years ago I was a younger guy. I looked up to guys like, you know, why not Shaviak and old Daniel Chuckfield, Josh Sly, Chris Jenkins. Those guys were the ones that were leading me when I was younger and told me how it was. And then this year taking on a different role, just taking on responsibility. But you learn to think about everybody else, you know, talking to the young guys, um, talking with Jalen, Mikhail, everybody, just making sure the whole team's on the same page. It's kind of my job here as um, one of the guys, you know, took responsibility of it. And we had such a great team that scoring with us came pretty easy. We just worried about the fence and four. Sure. Uh, uh, which championship is sweeter? Uh, great question. Um, I, I see people ask this, you know, which one would you, how would you rather win? 2016, 2018. I would still say this year I would rather win by 17, knowing one minute come out the game, coach something you out, you get that round of applause, knowing everybody be national champions. You know, just that feeling of uh, success, and you know, the, throughout the whole year, um, you know, we don't talk about winning championships, but stuff like that happens. It's just amazing. It truly shows you just when you stay locked in and focused. But I definitely would, I definitely would rather win this way. I don't know what's sort of sweeter though. The way we won 2016, you can't beat that. But um. And the the question I'm going to ask you, I'm not asking you to be braggadocious or anything like that, but I mean, the bottom line is, I mean, you scored 20 points in the national championship game two years ago. You guys win a championship this year. You were out all of last year, had a really good team and a good record. But do you feel like you could have won a national championship had you been able to play last year? And perhaps this would have been the third championship in a row. Hey, you know what? People see that, uh, have asked me that. I have no idea. We know we we didn't have Omari last year too. We don't know how it would have panned out. You know, I think that team would have been really good. I was really hurt when I couldn't play because um, we had a very talented team last year that could have done a lot of things. Just came up short. Just how it worked. I don't know. That's a great question. Uh, I would like to think that was true, but we never <laughs> we never know. <laughs> hey, Phil, listen, it's okay. You know, I, I'll say it for you. Uh, you guys would have won a national championship had you been able to play. Uh, can I say that for you, Phil? <laughs> you can say it for me. I'll let you say it. <laughs> okay. Very good. A couple of more thoughts is Phil Booth, red shirt junior for the Villanova Wildcats, the national champs, joins us here on the program. And, you know, Phil, the the, the way we were able to get you on uh, a couple of years ago, we have a, you know, a good relationship with you and, and, and your father. And, of course, your dad played ball at Coppin State. Uh, can you kind of talk to us about maybe some of the stories that uh, he told you growing up and playing ball at Coppin State? You know, my dad taught me everything about the game from age six. He coached when I was younger. Uh, we we constantly talk ball, we talk after every game, before games, throughout the week about practices. We talk ball all the time. He was here today for the parade in Philly. You know, he he taught me about the Big Five. You know, he always say I would get left leg the Big Five, uh, play at one of the schools and. Um, I know it meant a lot for him to see me win one, but not even two. Then have a parade in Philly is probably the best part for him, seeing you know me on the bus and my teammates holding up the national championship trophy in his um in his hometown. There's uh nothing better than that. He played a big part in it, and I learned everything about the game from him. Yeah, what did he tell you? Did he tell you maybe how uh, sort of how great a player he was? Nah, he didn't talk about how great he was. He told me more about the stories and friendships he's had and friendships he's made and, and the, just the classic stories of playing college ball like you all get just the stories of practice with the teammates games just the stuff that you won't forget the memories you know he uh he he just just let me know and i'm i'm really good friends with all of his teammates um a couple of them are godfathers so just uh just lucky yeah what about you know really just a couple of years ago and in, in, in growing up in baltimore and 
and playing your ball at St. Joseph's? Those were the days. I loved it, uh, playing for Coach Pat Clatcher, you know. Life was my simple back then, playing high school ball. Before you get to college, things change, and I just get to a real different type of level. Um, playing for Coach Pat, Coach Pat Clatcher was great. I played with some great players, uh, Cam Williams at Ohio State, Jalen uh, Adams at um, St. Bonaventure had a great year. Both of them had great years. I had a lot of great teammates, a lot of great stories. You know, the BCL, playing that great league, and MIA was great. I won a few championships back then, and those were some tough-fought battles against a very good team back then. So I know two years ago you guys had to, you know, you, you win the national championship, and then in the same week you guys had to go to class. Is that the same deal again this year you guys had to go to class? Actually, class is canceled because we won. <laughs> the class is canceled the next day, so I was lucky enough I had to go to class. And then, of course, I went to class yesterday. So uh, that was my first time going to class, trying to get myself back in. And then today, class is canceled because of the parade. So I'll be back in uh, class. Yeah, last two thoughts. Philly winning that uh, that championship, and it had been a while since the Eagles had won a championship, or, or Philadelphia really had won a a, a pro sports championship. You guys had won it two years ago, and you win it again this year. You know, what does that mean for that city uh, that uh, not only the Eagles win the, uh, the 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 big game, but then also, of course, you guys winning another national championship? You know, it's a, it's a great year for Philadelphia. You know, I'm a, I'm a diehard Ravens fan, but just watching the Eagles win was inspiring, especially being around it. Uh, being near Philly, seeing all the fans of, of Philly and how much they waited, how how dedicated they were. A lot of my team, a lot of my teammates are Eagles fans. It's great to see, you know, great year for them. Glad we had to bring another one for them home. Uh, you know, it's just a great year for Philadelphia. They definitely have paid their dues, and it's good to see uh, how great the Eagles are doing and how good they will be. Okay, a Ravens fan, RG3 coming to Baltimore. Your thoughts? Hey, uh, hey, I don't mind to pick up. Uh, I like RG3 when he's in Washington. Uh, really good guy. I see him on TV a lot, so hopefully be a good backup for us. Lastly, you have one more year of eligibility. Are you coming back for your senior season, for your redshirt senior season? Yeah, I'm coming back for sure for my fifth year. Uh, we're going to get my master's next year. Absolutely wonderful. Well, again, he's a two-time NCAA national champion, redshirt junior, from Baltimore, he is Phil Booth. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. As just a few days ago, Villanova wins its second national championship in three years. Phil, we appreciate the time, and we look to catch up with you uh, during next season. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. Villanova guard Phil Booth joining us here on the program. Definitely going to be expected to provide that senior leadership next year. A lot of the leadership that he provided this year, but even more for next year. Looking at Villanova, if you look at Villanova over these last three seasons, again, two championships, Villanova has lost a total of three non-conference games, a total of three non-conference games. Um, one was to Oklahoma one to Virginia back in the 2015-2016 season. Then last season, they lost the only non-conference game that Villanova lost was to Wisconsin in the in the Final Four. I believe that was the Final Four last year. And then the only losses this year were Big East losses. I mean, this is a strong Villanova team that's going to be extremely strong and it 
really, uh, to me, also shows how tough the Big East continues to be as a league. And, I mean, even if you look at this year, two of your four number one seeds came out of the Big East, Xavier and then, obviously, Villanova. Um, but, I mean, w- what a stretch. You know, you're talking about three 30-plus wins over the last three seasons. You're talking about four losses this year, four losses last year, five losses in 2015-16. The question becomes, how does Villanova look next year, and does Jay Wright come back as the head coach? We will see. We're talking NBA up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The radio program that's talking sports from New York City to Cali and globally on the World Wide Web. From the Press Box to Press Row continues after this. It's Donald Ware. From the press box to press row. Last thought on Villanova and and really more about the Big East and the ACC. Over the last 10 years, you've had a situation where you've had the Big East win four NCAA tournament championships or four NCAA national championships. And you've had the ACC win four NCAA national championships, the other two championships, one won by Kentucky back in 2012 and the other one by Connecticut, who was part of that, uh, the AAC, just coming off of being in the Big East. So, I mean, that's almost like a Big East championship. But, you know, it, it, listen, the Big East has rebounded. And, and, and again, we've talked a lot about this and. The ACC was able to go out and get a bunch of schools and get a bunch of teams from the Big East, Syracuse, Louisville, etc. And again, the Big East has just continued to weather the storm. It looked like really the Big East was going to fold. And then they added Butler and Creighton and a bunch of other teams from or schools from other conferences to come in the Big East. And Butler has been extremely competitive. Xavier. Uh, was a number one seed this year. And so you have a situation where um, uh, the Big East continues to stick around. They've won two of the last three uh, national championships. But again, it's interesting because Duke and Carolina of the ACC wins, it's been Duke and Carolina that have won two apiece. And then you have Villanova winning twice, Louisville, which that title uh, essentially was vacated winning once and then Connecticut back in 2011 winning the national championship uh, Connecticut won it again in 2014 but by that time they were part of the AAC so it's it, it's an interesting dynamic the last 10 years the ACC and the Big East have been super dominant but you know you got to give the Big East a lot of credit because they have fought back um, they were on the brink of going away, having lost all of its football institutions to the a- and to a newly formed conference in the AAC. And then it was all about those teams that either had football programs that were in FCS or didn't have a football program at all. And, you know, you have Butler that plays FCS football, Villanova plays FCS football, uh, but the Big East able to come back and rebound 
and um, again Villanova winning the national championship in two of the last three representing the Big East. Want to move on and talk some NBA here on the program. You know, I, I, I was talking a little bit about um, LeBron James and where he's going to go next year. You know, I just hope that he'll stay in Cleveland because, again, as I mentioned, it, it he, he's becoming a bit of a er, – er, not now, but maybe if he signs with another team, then the last part of his career essentially is going to be as a mercenary. It's going to be as a situation where he can go to a, a team – and win a championship, get paid a boatload of money as opposed, and, and, and again, it would be two-year contracts, which essentially are one-year contracts with a player option for the second year, which is pretty much what he's been on that type of contract with Cleveland the last three years has always been a, a, a his option for the second year. And, you know, for instance, I'm a Wizards fan. Like, I don't necessarily, I don't, with the nucleus of the team that I think the Wizards have has, and it still is a young team, I would prefer to roll the dice and take my chances on playing with the team we have trying to win a championship than hiring, essentially, LeBron James to get the Wizards over the hump. I'd rather not do that. And, you know, it's all of these teams that uh, are being talked about. Could would LeBron come to Philadelphia? You know, could it could it be San Antonio? Um, you know, could it be the Lakers? Um, you know, and so just for me, I, I don't know how other people feel about this or how you feel about this with your respective team. But do you want, you know, and, and again, it'd be different if he was coming and signing a four or five year deal and becoming part of a team. It's that's not the case. It's a mercenary situation with respect um, to LeBron James. For me personally, as a Wizards fan, I wouldn't necessarily want that, you know. As these playoffs start to to really wind down, we have three or four games remaining. The playoffs actually begin uh, on next Sunday, uh, a week from Sunday, this coming Sunday, a week from this coming Sunday. Really interesting races, especially in the Eastern Conference. And what a game the other night between the the Cavaliers and the Wizards. The Cavaliers looked like they were going to blow the Wizards out of the out of the arena. Washington came back, trailing something four or five points at halftime, and then ultimately had a 17-point lead in the third quarter, could not hang on a couple of miscues down the stretch. But, you know, I, I like – right now the Wizards sit at number seven. So right now they would play Boston, who, by the way, is – they're playing – Boston is actually playing well considering that they've had a lot of players – that have been hurt, and then they got the news that Kyrie Irving is going to be out for the playoffs. So I think, as good as the Celtics are, I, you know, I just don't know if, if they had to go against a team like Washington in the first round. So if, if the playoffs began today, it would be Boston against Washington. I just don't know this year that the Celtics could survive the Wizards. But I'm going to tell you what, as a Wizards fan, I'm not scared of Cleveland. If the Wizards happen to be able to make the move and jump to the number six spot, because really. And then the other thing is you have Philadelphia 
and Cleveland fighting for that number three and number four spot. And that win by Cleveland against Washington on Thursday was huge for the Cavaliers because it gave them a game up on Philly at that time. They lose that game. All of a sudden, they drop to number four. And then, you know, you got Philly at number three, who's an extremely dangerous team. I think the thing about the 76ers, they're a young team. They don't have any playoff experience. It's a whole nother level at the playoffs. And and, and as young and as gifted and as good as these guys are, I mean, they they have really young, good players in Embiid, um, you, you know, uh, 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 and then they also have some veteran guys like Covington, like J.J. Reddick. So they have some guys that are some veteran that have some veteran experience, but not necessarily a whole lot of playoff experience. And I, you know, I, I, seventy six is a plan as well as any team in the NBA, but I just don't know if it's going to be, uh, 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 you know, how they're going to fare in the playoffs with such a young team. So that Eastern Conference. Boy, it, it, you know, there's no clear-cut favorite to me. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say one through eight could win it, but you know, definitely at the top right now, I would have to go with Toronto. Although I'm not like super overly impressed with Toronto. I mean, when they're on, they're one of the best teams, obviously, in the league. But when they're off, they're off. You know, Cleveland. To me, Cleveland still has, you know, they still have to be the favorite right now. I mean, I, I think they still would have to be the favorite. I'm sort of counting the Celtics out at this point. I think they're playing well right now, but in the playoffs, you don't have a guy like a Kyrie Irving. They they lost Gordon Hayward first game of the season, you know, and, and, and by the way, he had some playoff experience meeting Hayward from last year in Utah. I think that's going to hurt them ultimately. You know, listen, watch out for those Wizards, even at the number seven spot. I don't know about Milwaukee. I don't think so about uh, the Miami Heat. The Pacers, yeah, maybe. But again, you're talking about a lot of teams that don't have playoff experience. And the teams that have the playoff experience, Toronto, Cleveland, Washington. And then Boston does have the playoff experience. But without a guy like a Kyrie Irving, I just I, I just don't know if the Celtics would, in fact, be able to get it done. Your thoughts, hit me up via Twitter at Box2Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. Your thoughts about anything I had to talk about with respect to uh, the Wizards, to the Cavaliers, with respect to the 76ers, and then also with respect to would you want LeBron James on your team just as a one-year player, as in essence a mercenary, as opposed to being incorporated as part of your team for the long haul. As I mentioned earlier in the program, LeBron definitely still has two really, really good years left in the tank. I don't think there's any question about that. As far as the Western Conference is concerned, not quite wrapped up. Every We don't have all of the teams uh, wrapped up. I mean, you still have the likes of of Denver and and the Timberwolves. Although that game between Denver and Minnesota the other on Thursday night, as a matter of fact, with uh, with Denver winning that game helped to propel them a little bit. The Clippers took a step backwards. Um, I, I don't think the Clippers at this point are going to make be able to make the playoffs. But the team, I mean, it's got to be Golden State, the team to beat. I realize Houston's in great position. Houston's has secured home 
court and it's ultimately going to come down to Houston and Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. But a healthy Golden State team is and, and, and listen, Golden State is not playing well down the stretch, but they have that experience. I think they're going to be able to weather the storm a little bit until Steph Curry is able to get back. Steve Kerr said there's no way that uh, Curry's going to be able to play in the first round. But, I mean, there's just so much firepower there, although they had a lot of firepower the other the other night against a pretty good Indiana team. But I think ultimately when it's all said and done, it's going to be Golden State and Houston with Golden State prevailing against Houston in that Western Conference Finals. Got to get ready to wrap it up here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Get ready to get out of here. Want to thank Phil Booth of the Villanova Wildcats for joining us today on the program. Also, Jackson State baseball coach Omar Johnson also for joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Again, remember that the All-America teams, the Box to Row All-America teams are posted to our website right now. Log on to BoxToRow.com, BoxToRow.com to check out the college basketball All-America teams, both men and women. Also, if you missed any part of today's show, um, our, our podcasts are generally posted on uh, Monday of the following week. And our shows from the last couple of weeks are, in fact, on our website. So, again, a lot of good stuff at BoxToRow.com. Uh, so log on to the website. Also follow us on Twitter, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Or friend us on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two. R-O-W. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. Has anybody here seen my old friend Martin? Can you tell me where he's gone? But it seems the good die young, yeah. I just looked around and he was gone.